Hello everyone and welcome to Africa Design Radio. My name is Chibweze Wuze, your host. Africa Design Radio is an audio journey that explores the world of design and how it is shaping the future of Africa. In each episode, we will explore ideas, histories, and profiles of leading design professionals, creatives, and thought leaders to understand how their work is creating an inclusive and sustainable society for Africa. Together, we can discover ideas on topics such as music, arts, architecture, fashion, product, graphic, and furniture design in an engaging and enjoyable manner. The show provides a collective platform that seeks to entertain and educate listeners on the fascinating ways design is impacting our lives daily. Thank you for listening. Hello everyone, I'm Chibweze and you're welcome to another amazing episode of Africa Design Radio. On the show today, we have a multidisciplinary designer and design activist who is known for creating scalable and sustainable solutions using design and collaboration. Welcome to the show, Chuma Anabado. It's a pleasure to have you. Same here, my brother. How's it going? Very well, very well. Um, So for those of you that don't know who Chuma is, um, he's an award-winning multidisciplinary designer and design activist that is passionate about creating scalable and sustainable design solutions through research and collaboration. He's a leader of thoughts and an influencer in the growing African design industry who, amongst other interests, co-founded Aziza Design, Nigeria's first multidisciplinary design firm, and Mbari Uno, a community-focused center for design research, education, and solutions development across sub-Saharan Africa. His work as design director at Aziza Design cuts across architecture, brand identity design, communications design, event planning, interior design, organizational design, process design, just to mention a few. He also has a bit of experience in web and digital app designers. Very impressive um, (laughs) portfolio there. (laughs) That was a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So um, I read on your on your profile that you had your first degree in fine and applied arts. You know, you even majored in um, sculpture. Um, yep. after which you worked as an art director in different agencies across West Africa for almost a decade before heading to the UK where you now did your postgraduate degree in multidisciplinary design, which you finished yep. with a distinction, I might add. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so clearly your creative side, you know, has dominated your career. Um, were you always doing with that part of yourself? Um, yes, I would say yes, because uh, from childhood, I've always been very much in tune with my um, innovative, my creative side as a human being. I mean, um, having been the product of an engineer and an artist, I call my mom an artist. She was a home economics professional, but she was a very good artist. Uh, So I think that mixture, that very scientific thinking and art thinking gave birth to the designer. So from childhood, I've always been very... Um, in, to- in touch with this part of me. Actually, it's it's been the main thing about me that mm. I know. Yeah, so um, there's so many stories growing up and how I used to not come home from school and my mom would have to come and pick me up from a window where I was hanging. Um, window happens to be the, the arts department in FGGC Boko then, where my mom used to teach and we live. 
Okay. So I used to, on my way back from school, I would just hang by the window there and be watching the guy making cards, doing paintings. And I, I was just intrigued. And my mom caught me there one day after several days of looking for me after school. Mm. And she simply took me in and introduced me to the guy, Mr. Adoli. Remember oh. his name, yeah? Oh, that's nice. And that, that was my first... Um, um, formal introduction to a studio where design work, where artworks were being done. And it continued for a while and I think it had a profound effect on where I am today. Hmm. So very important to note that, you know, your mom actually encouraged your interests, you know, growing up. Yep. Yeah. She did. Uh, she did. My dad did as well, even though he wanted me to study engineering. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, civil engineering like him. I, I actually got admission to do civil engineering in Futo. Okay. I had O levels in science and later did O levels in a mix of uh, social sciences and arts when I had changed my mind. So, yes, I actually went to Futo, uh, Federal University of Technology in Oweri, and started my registration. But something happened, and something that had been in my mind just came to the fore. And I told myself, would drop this. This is not where you're supposed to go. Mm. Left. So, that upset my dad. and he put me to the test and wanted to know really why do you want to study something else uh, a lot of courses came up architecture came up estate management came up um, deep inside of me I just wanted to escape the fangs of uh, the western world the colonial world and I felt civil engineering was fully developed I mean in my naive mind then it was mm. fully developed by the west and me studying that would simply shackle me to them so I, I wanted freedom mm. and that's side of me which is the arts part also came up so we settled for finance and i chose abu zaria did my jam um abu zaria particularly because there was an industrial design program okay in zaria so my dad wanted me to have a rub off from there and possibly uh, proceed to do a degree in industrial design much later okay but i didn't quite go to abu zaria because between the time i wrote the, the, the jump. I sat for jump and the time the results came out, there was a crisis. Uh, the usual Muslim Christian fight in Zaria and it was it was bloody. So my dad thought, look, look we have to school in the south. Mm. And then that's how Uniben came out. Because I didn't want to school in Ibo land. I really wanted to just, like having grown up in Enugu and all over. You wanted a different I experience. Wanted, I wanted to, yeah, I've always been outgoing. I wanted to just go out there and experience. So yeah, Benin came up and it's been fun all the way, really. It's been mm, okay, great. So um, you know, one time when we spoke, you know, it came up in our conversation that you actually attended LGC or Kiwi, which coincidentally is my alma mater. Um, how would you describe your experience schooling there and what part of that experience, you know, kind of contributed to your career now? Well, MGC or Kiwi was a fantastic experience. I mm. mean, a lot of it was sad, horrible. Uh, the ending part of it was not very nice. Um, okay. I mean, I finished my my last SSC uh, paper in June '99, and my mom passed July five. Oh wow! So it was very close. Yeah, and she was a teacher in the school as well. So the ending part of it was rather sad, but the the whole experience was good. Um, again. In secondary school, uh, you had to choose one vocational subject. Then home economics and finance were both vocational subjects. So there was a tussle between my mm. mom and the arts teacher, Elder Ukoha. Mm. And up to JSTRI, I don't know if I had to do both subjects in um, JSSE, I think. Can't 
remember. But I know my mom at some point met him because she wanted me to do home management. Yeah. Yeah. yeah home economics had home management, food and nutrition, then clothing and textile. Those were the three pathways. So she wanted me to do home management, but I wanted to do finance. I mean, mm-hmm. I was I was among I was top three <laughs> finance. <laughs> so okay, uh, I was doing technical drawing on the other end as well, and I was top three in technical drawing. Mm. So my I remember that conversation she had with Mr. Eldaokoha and she said, oh, he said, uh, leave this boy to do what he wants to do. That one day he is going to save the world through art. Mm. That statement has never left my memory. Yeah. Every time I, I I find myself in a dark place, I just think, what could this man have seen, this young boy? Mm. That was about getting into senior secondary school. Well, at the end of the day, he won. Um, I, I <laughs> okay, <laughs> he won, so I did fine and applied that. And yeah, I, I think if I did not, if he had lost, then maybe as at the time I did my um, O levels, I would not have the finance as a subject to qualify me to study art. And then maybe I would have been in um, Shell or Chevron working as an engineer today. Mm. But yeah. yeah. Let's just move away from your personal life for a moment, you know, to talk about something that I am really, really excited about, Mbari Uno. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to see your six-month scorecard, you know, and I would just like to share with our listeners, you know, um, the remarkable work that your team is doing with Mbari Uno. Now, from that report, between July and December, uh, you've organized about 21 workshops, five exhibitions, You've reached about 41,000 people through your online and offline activities, right? You've also hosted notable professionals like Demas Onko, Tosi Noshino, um, Charles Otudo, Larry Adisa, and even DJ Sose, just to mention a few, because you, I mean, you have a quite an impressive um, collection of professionals who come to speak. What is yeah. Mbari Uno, and what were you trying to achieve when you set it up? <laughs> okay, so Mbari Uno, it uh, literally translates to House of Collaboration. Um, it started out as a blog on Aziza Design. So Aziza Design, the multidisciplinary design firm that I currently um, run. Okay. The co-founder as well. It's five years old, five years and counting. Uh, somewhere in, along the line, somewhere in 2018, we put up, we renamed our blog on our website, on Aziza Design website. We renamed that blog Barry Ono, meaning okay. a collaborative platform. We wanted to be putting out design reviews, design opinions, design projects, writing articles and stuff. So we just, out of Flesic, named it Mbari Uno. Mbari um, Uno deriving from the essence of the Mbari culture. Mbari culture from southeastern Nigeria, Oweri, mm. where people came together to build edifices, build a structure um, in response to some events that has happened in society or in community, uh, like a ritual or something to appease. Something profound about that practice is about bringing different craftspeople, painters, sculptors, writers, uh, uh, masons, uh, carpenters, to build a structure, a very beautiful house, and then they leave it to rot. Mm. They allow the agent wedding to complete the building in, in the form of destruction. Mm. So, that culture is what the Mbari Art Club, uh, 1961, led by Uliber, formed in Ibadan. So taking that same essence, they created created the Mbari Art Club, which was a workshop collaboration of sorts. Mm. And then it spread, it went to Mbari, Mbari, and so that name Mbari comes from that 
the meaning we have ascribed to it means collaboration because all through the existence of Kumbari as a concept, it's always been about doing together. Mm. So we added how and that became Kumbari in a house of collaboration. So what 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 we set it up to do essentially was to fill certain gaps which we've identified in the industry in which Aziza Design was playing, which was design. Now, coming from a place of misconception, when people hear design, they think of graphics, right? Yeah. Uh, but not readily make that association to fashion, which is more uh, prevalent. Mm-hmm. Yeah? Or that association to products, which is more prevalent. Everybody does say, oh, design. So we, we went through a period where we had to keep educating people that we are a design firm. We are not a graphic design firm. The design firm does architecture, Material, product, business, experience, and all sorts of design. So, having done that, we realized that there isn't even an ecosystem for the design firm mm. or design of our kind in Nigeria. Um, and that was where the misconceptions were coming from. So, we had to build back that ecosystem. And Barina was a response. So, that response is supposed to uh, create spaces where design happens. It's supposed to promote the design discipline. Okay. It's supposed to bring designers together. It's supposed to end up pushing and articulating policies for design practice and design learning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to become a place where uh, awareness of design is pushed out. It's a place where innovation is born. That part is what we're about to just activate, but we'll get to that later. Okay. So we've done all of this. I mean, we've, for me, what... I mark as a measure of success is the fact that it attracts certain kind of people, mm. right? You need to do if you didn't have that kind of platform set up, you probably would do so much to be able to reach the demands. Who, by the way, is my mentor, um, one of the Zariari mm. seven, one of the seven girls that defined contemporary art and uh, design in Nigeria. So. I mean, him connecting with that and even agreeing to be our grand patron was humbling. Wow. Um, we didn't think that we were doing the right thing. So, yeah, Mbarino, in a nutshell, is um, a platform, a design platform set up to uh, uh, develop, grow the human capital and make social impact. So, under those two headings, we've done, we are now, we now do things around learning, design learning and design showcase. So, workshops, um, book clubs, exhibitions, spoken word events, and, and all of that. So, that, that all of that comes under learning, which we call enterprise. Mm. And then there's a directory. I mean, there's no holistic directory of design, design firms, design publications, and design events and even design spaces. So we built a directory, which was what was launched first in July 2018. Um, yeah, and by 2019, we set up the first physical space in GRA Kedah, which is the hub. And it's been a, it's been a ride. Um, and July 2020, something else is going to be launched, the very large part, last part of mm-hmm. it. And we hope to grow the industry and fulfill the mandates and your set of I was actually going to that the Mbarino Collective, you know, and I wanted you to just, you know, kind of speak about that because I think the it is very important for you to scale this idea, you know, um, in a way that people who are not resident in Lagos and can't visit, you know, the physical space can actually still benefit from the ideology and the plans behind um, that ideology. So just take us through the collective and what the collective is and what it hopes to achieve. Okay, so the collective, basically, it's um, a group of persons, uh, designers, for sure, and members of the community. Members of the community. Community here would be whatever um, 
problem we want to address, the community that experiences that problem, that thrives around that problem. So it could be if we are doing innovation in um, transport in Lagos, our community will then become the bus drivers, the area boys, the tax collectors, the law enforcement, and the government. So the community around the issue is we are drawing members from there. Uh, and then the de facto people that have pledged to be part of this collective who are designers in their own rights from different mm. fields. So we build up that list and then we, we we run cycles of innovation, which will be like three months. Um, we pick a, what I call a, a wicked problem, a complex problem, and try to address it from different perspectives. Uh, at the end of the day, we'll have a, a design thinking session and then come up with solutions. Now, that solution is what we would now expect. The activity for that whole uh, innovation cycle will be published as a newsletter. Um, and the solutions, some of the solutions that have become veritable would become what we'll move into incubation, providing all the entrepreneurial support and see how they can become the idea powering enterprises so that the innovation becomes sustainable. Mm. Quite a lot. Um, I'm just trying to summarize this as much as possible. Yeah. And at the end of the year, after doing four cycles, uh, we're starting July this year, so at the end of this year, we would have done two cycles. We will now have the, the design summit, which something will be which will be similar to your for instance, your NESD summit, for instance. Mm-hmm. It's not your standard design festival, but it's a design summit. So what we are going to be doing there is to bring governments, investors, impact investors, uh, NGOs, <laughs> innovators, and then we look at all the stuff we've done for the year, um, ideas in, in enter ideas in enterprise powering enterprise in incubation uh, innovations that have been created solutions that have been developed um, all that has been exhibited and then we look at it as one body of work and expose them more to people that will power them in terms of investors and business developers the whole point is that at the end of the year at the end of, at, at every point in time we want to be spawning solutions innovative ideas but beyond that we want those ideas to become tangible to become businesses mm. because if they businesses it won't make money if they don't make money they won't solve the problem so this is us being very realistic and say look leave these brands and say uh let us do what we need to do i remember when i went when i in one of my conversations with Dima Soko, when i went to visit him he told me clearly if nobody pays you commissions you to do the design work don't do it and he did say that in his entire life he has not done any design work Free. Mm. I find that very, <laughs> very interesting, very profound. Uh, I think it's a very high level of discipline. But yes, I still get to yeah. do stuff, but it, it, it just sends a message across that look, design is a commercial bench of pure and simple. True. So if you're going to be innovating for the community or social um, problems, it has to be treated as a commercial venture. True. So that's where the enterprise thing comes in. So that that's what the, the, the collective is in the nutshell. So we want to start. Um, and then basically the same process we, we, we have, the same procedure, the same steps we take to run the cycle, for instance, is what we would then codify and then hand over to people in, say, Enugu, for instance. So if you want to, follow, the brand has been built already, so there's some equity to leverage on. So if you're in Enugu or in, you're in... Kenya, or you're in Johannesburg, and you want to form your own collective, then we just hand you hand over the uh, elements, yeah. the brand elements, framework. the framework. So you use that to just run your own session. 
um, we, this is a, a an improvement from where we were before, where we had the idea of uh, wanted to build physical spaces yeah. to move the barrier. But I think with the collective, we would move faster, Absolutely. we would scale faster, and then it will become more uh, believable when you have a collective that has developed stuff to for each collective within each location to now be able to raise funds and build their own space. So the, the collective goes first yeah. and then the entire hub eventually, the physical space. Yeah, so that's... Let's talk about um, stakeholders for a minute, you know, because you mentioned um, the stakeholders that are involved in bringing these ideas to life. And something that is very key to the objective of Africa Design Radio is to raise awareness for the need for designers to be in governance, to, to be among decision makers, you know, so that decisions are taken with all the parties being acknowledged. And that is something that designers are good at. They understand the target audience. They understand whose life will be impacted by these um, songs, you know. So what I want to know is, you know, how do you think we can achieve this? To have more designers, you know, um, as part of decision makers in our societies. Okay. So, um, first of, first of, we need to we need to grow the practice, which is what we are doing now. Design is practically not existent in this part of the world. But um, I mean not existent. We don't have enough design talents. We don't have enough design spaces. We don't have enough design um, horses in universities. Uh, you, can you can imagine that the entire Nigeria does not have, there's no university to the best of my knowledge, in Nigeria that has a degree in interior design or fashion promotion or fashion development, you know. So we need to build the industry. We need to show that design is an integral part of um, economic development, economic growth. That design is the very first step in manufacturing. So if we're going to be doing made in Nigeria, then we have to start thinking about Nigerian design. Mm. Um, so we need to come to terms with that. We need to push out advocacy. We need to create design spaces. We need to fulfill all of this. And at some point, when we, we when we have the, the kind of visibility that we we want, uh, we've attracted the right audience, held summits, and then people begin to know that okay, this design thing is serious, and they begin to connect it because design is actually, um, for, for me, for us, it's a verb. Yeah? yeah, it's an action. So policy making is design. It's an action. Uh, so I want to get to that point where having run for a given period and achieved some level of uh, inroad into the economy, we can then make a proposal and say, okay, uh, Ministry of Education. This is what we think should happen based on what we need and what we've seen on the field. We need to set up design curriculum in universities. Mm. These are our ideas. These are the design disciplines that are existing. This is a proposed curriculum. So we start pushing that through Ministry of Education. We want to standardize practice. So we need to set up a legislature-backed uh, association that is that encompasses all design disciplines. So currently, I think it's just architecture. Uh, I'm not sure if interior design, IFI has, I don't know. I'm not sure. So I would just say... Yeah, I think we have um, the Interior Designers Association of Nigeria now. Yes, we do. But I don't know if it is 
backed by legislation. Okay, okay, I get what you mean. So it, it needs because legislation gives it power. Yeah. It gives it the power of enforcing. Mm-hmm. If IFR is backed by legislation, then they can actually prevent people from practicing. If you do not meet certain standards, exactly. you don't have people going to one school in Oshodi and they call it Chuven uh, Interior Design Training. They just spend two weeks there or three weeks and then come out and mix colors and do all sorts of very substandard, very non-responsive uh, solutions to interior design and just have that people all over the place. We are building uh, let's not even get to that part. But yeah, so we want to get to that part where we want to add National Assembly pushing a bill to legislate a design council of sorts that would that council would then be charged with the responsibility of um, ensuring that design curriculum is standard and updated, that design practice follows a certain process mm. and getting revenue and appears, you know, all of yeah. that. So that will be the end, the end point. We have like a 10-point agenda that Mbarino is working on. So and when all these initiatives start coming up, um, which is which is what we need because we need a lot of them. We have Africa Design Radio, um, which I, I expect that at some point it would become a full-fledged um, piece of, uh, radio beyond online. We have a radio station talking about design because we also need to own the media. So I expect Absolutely. to move to Africa Design TV you know, and all of that. So. That way, we own the narrative end to end, from content to communication to, to to mass media and all of that. So that that is the, it's a it's several lifetimes journey. We just need to do our own part, set the ball rolling, and then it picks up from there. Wow, I mean, there's a whole lot of collaboration that needs to happen, you know, for all of these yep. things to actually come to life. And I think it is something that, you know, as Africans, we need to understand that now collaboration is the only way we can move industry forward. Working in silos you know, no longer Absolutely. no longer um, has a part to play if we are to move the industry forward. So I can't agree with you uh, more. So um, just a bit of your, your design philosophy. I'd just like to know, how would you describe your design philosophy and how has it influenced you know, the way you approach design or any project that you that you undertake? Okay, as, a, as a person, my philosophy of design is really about collaboration. Um, I, I came to to this to this um, realization very long ago while still in art school. And look, the concept of genius, one man doing everything is flawed. You can have a leader, but when you try to be, try to attribute all success and everything to one person, and make that person a hero. There's some level of lie in it. I mean, everybody says about Einstein is that Thomas Edison did this, the right brothers did that. But you are leaving out the lab assistants, their co-scientists, all those other guys that were there mm. that helped invent whatever it is that we are now attributing to the genius. So I, I wrote back, wrote that back into design, uh, not art now, because as an artist, you can do yourself expression via the traditional art uh, medium. But as a designer creating for someone else, yeah, that person is part of the creative process. That person would use it. So I, I, I realized early, early in my career that design is about collaboration. The better you are at collaboration, the better design products you would create, better design outcomes you would have. Mm. So collaboration is really, really at the heart of it. And then the other part of it is research. Research for me basically is just observe your observation power should be like top notch. I asked myself questions. Why do we have two lane roads in Nigeria? 
Is it because the West did two lane roads? Why do we have to drive on the left instead of on the right? I don't know I get yeah. my point. It, it's about having a probing mind, always probing and questioning things, uh, taking things apart and reassembling them such that it fits you. Um, I'm known to rearrange my space every time. Mm. I keep changing it. And until I get one uh, one pattern that I think, okay, this is cool, then that will last for a very long time. But when things change, and then I shake up both people. So I, I think that's the way we need to be as Africans. If we do that, then we would have less and less problems as we progress. I mean, we are seeing the same scenarios play out in our country, for instance, and we know the outcome. But we don't do anything because we've not taken any learning. Mm. We forget. So, at the heart of what I do as a designer is collaboration and uh, being a probe, having a deep probing mind, such that it, it gets to a point where people actually now start thinking, ah, they are just a critic. It's most you talk about everything. But that's the truth, mm. because everything is wrong. Everything is wrong, from the names we bear to the language in which we are communicating. Yeah? There's something wrong there, even though there are benefits. Yeah? yeah. To the way we've structured our homes, to the way we worship, everything is not just right. I mean, let's not, let me not say right or wrong, but it, it, it's not working. Yeah. So, we find something that would work, you know. So, if if we are really going to come out of us being classified as third world, yeah, as being underdeveloped, then we not start using our brain. We need to start using our brain. That's just it. All right, great. Um, what would you consider the proudest moments of your career? Hmm. I don't think I have any moments that is proudest, but I do have lots of proud moments. So, yeah, when I did my exhibition in university, it was a proud moment because that was an experience. Mm. I played around with materials like metal and wood to create very deep narratives about culture. Uh, setting up Mbarino, of course, was a proud moment. Uh, setting up Azizad Design was a proud moment. <laughs> setting up Wizard, a product company that I also own, was a proud moment. Um, I, I think every time I complete a work, is a proud moment. So I don't know if I've been able to go through my mind and pick mm. one that would be my proudest. <laughs> so I have... Lots of all right, problems. all right, all right. So, um, and what has been the biggest setback um, of your career, and how you know how were you motivated to to overcome it? Okay, so that would be two things: financing, lack of okay. awareness. Yeah. So, people don't understand what you do as a designer. So, I still get people calling me to say, "Oh, uh, please, can you help me do logo? Help me, help me do this poster, sharp, sharp." You know, uh, they just connect with me on that part because that's what they know. They don't even understand what the industry is. And then this same person tomorrow gives, tells me, oh, I just, I'm building one house like that. You, know? <laughs> uh, you, you like to see it. And I'm like, why did you give me the design to do? Are you and they like, do you do houses? <laughs> uh, I said, sir, hello. I, I built several spaces. Design and built several mm. spaces. So there's, there's, there's a very prevalent lack of awareness about what design is and what designers can actually mm. do. Uh, I see a lot of designers pigeonholing themselves into one thing, but design really one thing, right? It's just manifestation that defines okay. it. 
So that, that is the challenge. Then the other, the other one is finance. So it's 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 actually been a very um, pocket drying investment to set up in Barino. I wouldn't yeah. lie to you. Even if I speak, uh, we do need help. Yeah. yeah? <laughs> On the financial aspect, really. Uh, and in terms of the operations and what we are doing, I think we have that clear. Something out. This is a labor of love, as I would call it. I and my partner practically took our money to do all of this because of passion, because we believed in what we were doing. So yeah, if if if, if the finances could improve a bit, and of course we are businessmen, so it's not like we are hopeless, but we know what yeah. we're doing. But it would be nice and easier if we have some support financially. And then of course, creating awareness. Both are very, very important. I, I think they will rub up on each other. If you have more awareness, and yeah, the value for the for the for the craft to also improve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are just the two. All right. So if you could give the eighteen year old Chuma one piece of advice, what would it be? <laughs> I'll probably say go and study architecture. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always wanted to be an architect. I realized I could employ some. Okay. Yeah. And uh I could tell them what to do. Yeah, but if I go back to my eighteen years Chuma, I will tell him to dude go out and experience the world mm. travel travel open your mind learn I, I think i came to a lot of realization with mm. things that have to do with our culture religion um my ideology as a human being some of these things have been there in my head but i mean the societal program society programming was blocking mm. them I, I would tell my 18 year old self to arrive at that realization earlier unblock those programming and, and leave okay. Really, leave. All right. That, that's so, um, what's the next big thing for you? Hmm. If I know what the next big thing is, then it won't be the next big thing. Okay. Work yeah. in progress. So, but I think for for me, my focus now is uh, consolidating. I mean, I have three three design outlets. Uh, one is social enterprise community facing. The other one in corporate entity which is business facing mm. and the other one is a product brand so uh, and they they, they they all all of them need work uh, and i think they all put together the three of them have all the channels in which i express myself as a designer being multifaceted mm. so yeah i can get to do interior design through one i can get to do architecture through one can get to do social innovation through one, can get to design and put out products through one. So that kind of um, it's been a long journey, but I I think having three of them fully uh, defined and set up, the next step for me, which is where I'm at now, is to consolidate. Yeah, that that's really consolidate and grow them as a business because I, I I'm also a very very hands-on uh, and realistic business manager. All right. So. All right. So, in one word, um, describe what design means to you. So, design is what's the word? Life. Design is life. Yep. <laughs> all right. All right. Great. Um, so, we are now in the segment of the show that I call the power of design. Um, in this segment, I try to highlight the need for more human-centered design practices that can improve the quality of life of members of our society by exposing yeah. bad design practices that we regularly encounter in our daily lives. So in your work as a multidisciplinary designer, 
what kind of design mistakes or flaws have you continually observed that greatly affects the quality of life of the end users, but they are unaware of its, of its impact? Oh, the first of them would be not even having that user involved in the process of creating that solution. Hmm. That's the that's like the, you don't you don't I mean you see our governments importing solutions it doesn't work we have a pandemic going on and we just we, we are not part of the conversation we are not making our own findings we are not part of the solution we are just applying solutions whether it's wrong or right so we've seen cases where there's been a new finding and then and then we are told oh this is the way to go so who takes responsibility for the effect of the the earlier uh, put out solution. How do we look at ourselves as human beings and say, "We are fine. We don't. You're not part of this research. Mm. You're not. You know, we need to get involved. In that part of getting the user involved in solution development is one thing I know that has happened a lot. The other part is uh, appreciation. So people look at your design work and they say, ah, "Is it not just to do? See those statements put me off, mm. and I, I almost I react." Uh, 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 almost instantly and like very aggressively like if, if you don't just if you don't understand design then don't buy design mm-hmm. yeah the effects of it you have to deal with it you have to live with it whether you're aware of it or not that's up to you so if you don't want to build your brand properly then it's up to you you might make money that's fine it's where you the thing you put for yourself if you if you don't want to build a house that is sustainable it's up to you. I mean, we have clearly realized that our houses are all, permit me to use that word, crap, because they are not built in response to our environment. We have to keep cooling. We have to keep, you know, and all of that. So over the course of my work, that that's, those have been very key pointers. And then the other one is also uh, availability of talents. Truly, we don't have design talent. We don't have enough which is one of the things Mbaino is set up to to um, mitigate. That is developing human capital. Mm. We need to train designers. I keep saying this thing. Italy has more designers than the entire Africa. Mm. That is sad. That is sad. There's no way we can compete. So as a matter of urgency, we need to start ramping up capacity. We need to start ramping up awareness. We need to start putting out the need that, look, you can do this for yourself and you should do it yourself, ourselves as a community, not important. So those are some of the challenges. There's a lot more. I mean, we could spend the whole day talking about them. Yeah. But I think these are the ones that come to fall. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Chuma, for speaking with us. I, I really enjoyed this episode. Same here. If you want to hear more interesting episodes of Africa Design Radio, head now to our page on all platforms where you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please do give us a review. You can also write to us at africadesignradio at gmail.com or follow us on social media at africa underscore design underscore radio. I'm Chibweze and you've been listening to Africa Design Radio. Africa Design Radio.